All right. Welcome back to Talking Flick, where we talk about anything and everything, but mostly movies and TV. Today with me again, I have Ryan. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> hey, so he came back. He survived the first episode. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> with all the backlash and screaming. <laughs> fought through all the audience but i'm here you can't yeah. keep me down <laughs> <laughs> yeah so ryan with dragon questicles is back again and today we're going to be talking about split since last week we did unbreakable and splits the follow-up and just kind of fair warning spoiler alert for this whole entire movie <laughs> if you're listening to this just spoiler alert you any movie yeah, by now <laughs> yeah any movie we do on this channel just keep in mind it's going to be spoiled even if we say spoiler free more than likely, I will accidentally <laughs> spoil something. So. Yeah. Tyler is the Tom Holland of this podcast. Exactly. So, spoiler alert, Split is connected to Unbreakable. So. <laughs> and I will say, makes sense for us to watch Split now. Yeah, it really does. So, especially with Glass coming out this week. And so, uh, and I think we talked about it last week where it was on a 60 to $70 million uh, opening weekend. So. Wow. I, I didn't think we drew out any numbers, but yeah, that's impressive. Think, yeah, that's pretty impressive. And M. Night Shyamalan, he actually apparently put down $20 million of his own money to wow. make this movie. Oh, my yeah. goodness. So, <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, to make glass, not split. So he really <laughs> wanted to make glass. But uh, let's kind of go into movie news first, and then we'll talk about split for a bit. And the latest thing in movie news that I have is Black Panther got nominated for an Academy Academy Award for Best Picture. Did you ever watch Black Panther, Ryan? Or? No, I did not. You did not? Okay. <laughs> but I've heard all about it, you know, Wakanda Forever, all yeah. that stuff. <laughs> all the memes. We don't do that here. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> the memes are priceless on it. So. And I hear that it's good. It's surprising me. To, it's surprising to me, though. I feel like what is that black panther was released like two or three years ago it feels like for, we get so many you know that's what we talked about yes we get so many superhero movies and yeah it does yeah feel like forever like deadpool 2 i think came out 2018 as well but yeah, it feels insane. like longer yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's insane but i'm glad it's getting nominated um i thought it was just okay but i can see why it's kind of an inspirational you know movie to a lot of people especially like culture wise mm. and i guess i'd rather have kids look up to black panther than the latest you know kind of you know rap star or uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know any of the littles or anything like that so yeah. i feel like it is kind of inspiration and it you know i felt like it was all right but you know what? a lot of people loved it and that's just fine so <laughs> i came across this meme on the internet it was hilarious it was uh kid and a high school kid that was doing a uh a report on a country and he did his his report on wakanda and the teacher was like someone in the class was just filming it with his with their phone and stuff and the teacher did not know at all <laughs> and it was insane all the other students they knew what was going on and they were feeding to it uh -huh. and then they were talking about wakanda's main export is vibranium <laughs> and then another student says oh yeah vibranium and then the teacher was like oh what's vibranium what is that used for and oh my god he didn't miss a beat Dead face oh told them, God. oh, yeah, well, they use it a lot for, for weaponry and armor and whatnot. Uh -huh. <laughs> and the teacher was like, oh, it sounds very interesting. <laughs> How old was the teacher? I must have been. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you, but it was just hilarious just watching that oh, video. Yeah. I remember in high school, we had this one teacher. Uh, what was her? I think her name was Miss Mack. 
but mm. she was blind uh, on the side of her eye. So peripherally, yeah, perif- yeah. peripheral vision was completely blind. So she had <laughs> tunnel vision. And that's a terrible thing to have oh, when you're yeah. teaching high school kids. <laughs> I remember we would come in one class and there was just massive spitballs like on the wall. And she had no idea <laughs> Did about she not it. turn her head? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and like... <laughs> <laughs> she was just completely she was blind she had tunnel vision and oh so i'm goodness. like why would you teach high school kids like they're going <laughs> to take advantage of that oh yeah i remember during finals we had one kid who like opened up the book and just started using it for the test and so she <laughs> didn't see a thing and so wow <laughs> but yeah so other news that i have is a uh, shazam trailer came out the second oh, one okay. i don't All know right. if you saw that or not or no, not the trailer i checked it out so i really like shazam shazam's probably one of my yeah not all time but definitely a movie i'm really looking forward to okay. is all right one, and so. comic books as well I actually haven't read any Shazam comic books, really? but I kind of fell in love with the character from Young Justice. Mm. I don't know if you ever saw the Young Justice series. You were talking about that in your Jeepers Creepers yes. episode. So, and actually, your brother was telling me to watch Young Justice, saying that it was really good as well. It's so good. It's <laughs> but so I good. Have not, I have not followed up on that. He request. is my real brother. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's so good because uh, they had the first two seasons. I think it was like 2012, 2013. And they're premiering that they just premiered the third season like a couple of weeks ago on the DC Universe app. Okay, and all right. so but uh, Shazam's in there in the first two seasons, and I just really loved his character from mm. that. And there was a uh, DC showcase movie about him too, an animated one where it was with him and Superman. And so yeah, I'm excited for the Shazam trailer. And we got Chuck or Zachary Levi mm. playing him too. So okay, all right. <laughs> so yeah, um, pretty much the Zam trailer. We got a possible RoboCop movie coming out. Really? RoboCop Returns. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so I don't know if you saw the original RoboCop. I, yes. Yes. Yeah. The original one. Yes. Not Dead the or Alive are coming with me. Yes. <laughs> I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> yeah. So. I really like the original RoboCop. Um, even at home, I have the uh, RoboCop and Terminator crossover film oh, or crossover shoot. comic books too. <laughs> um, one of the guys I really like, Mr. Sunday Movies or the Weekly Planet, the podcast. Yeah, he does a video about the RoboCop and Terminator crossover mm. that I absolutely love. And even on my room, I kind of have a hanging p- picture of half RoboCop, half like Terminator. So mm. <laughs> one of these days, I'll post it up on I, Twitter. I think I know about that comic book from an an. Another video that I was watching, Top the Fourth Wall, if you ever heard of them. Oh, no, I haven't heard of them. Okay, and he did his own review about it, and it looked really cool. (laughs) It does look (laughs) really... So I guess the whole thing, it's it's kind of like with... uh, It feels like RoboCop wrote fan fiction for Terminator, (laughs) but inserted himself into it. So, so yeah, but uh, anyways... That's uh, the only way that you can write fan fiction, as uh, long as you put yourself in that. You know, I kind of, I really like fan fiction. So, like... (laughs) Well, you're like my wife. Yeah. (laughs) My my wife was super into fan fiction, and she went on fanfiction.net or whatever, Uh started reading some stuff, read Harry Potter and all that. But then she went on that other side, the line that you don't cross. Us, and then Uh-oh. wait what harry's doing this would, would what would run oh god <laughs> <laughs> and then that kind of turned her off to the whole the whole fan, fan fiction, fiction thing but every now and then she ventures back there <laughs> i like i like fan fiction one of these days i'll have to write my own fan fiction on, <laughs> on how things should be like <laughs> so uh we got ghostbusters 3 we got a little sneak peek trailer for that coming out mm. and this is not a sequel to the uh all women cast the one that got like a ton of backlash yeah a yeah. couple of years ago if you remember that so. yeah i do remember that mm. which it I wasn't to... that bad but <laughs> i thought it was okay well you know like i not 
I know what they're trying to speak against. I'm not saying that they're wrong or anything like that. I'm like, I'm certain that you've heard a lot of different podcasts and a lot of different people yelling and saying their gripes about that movie. And I'll keep mine to myself. I'll just say that I didn't watch it and I didn't care to watch it. <laughs> I felt like it was just fine. And I think Chris Hemsworth was really good in it. And so, <laughs> was he the secretary? He was the secretary. He had some really good lines in there. And he's just. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth has some really good, you know, comedy traits to him. Like, uh, yeah, 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 he does, and it's funny because it, I people are always surprised by that. But tracking it and stuff, and just I don't know. I saw a video of him jump roping with his daughter, and he just started going crazy and stuff. And it's hilarious. I don't know. I think he's a fun-loving guy. So <laughs> I think he really turned like with Thor Ragnarok. You know, of course, that's when Thor. Who would have thought? You know, the third Thor movie in a franchise would be like one of the best movies of like, you know, the one of the best superhero movies of that year. Yeah, and the second yeah. one had to be the worst uh, Marvel movie. I never saw it, but apparently it's just it's just really bad. Yeah, that's yeah. what I hear also. It's terrible. <laughs> the worst Marvel movie out of all of them. Oh, God. But Thor Ragnarok, really good. I'd rather have a million Thor 2s than, <laughs> you know what I mean? And just to mean I get one Thor Ragnarok. So. <laughs> but yeah, so we had the Ghostbusters 3 coming out. Apparently that's... Uh, What's going to happen, it's uh, going to have Bill Murray. Bill Murray and is going to be in there, and everyone from the Ghostbusters cast that isn't dead. I forget which one of them is dead. Interesting. But yeah. And uh, all I've heard, it's a little bit like, it's probably going to be a little bit like Stranger Things, where it's going to revolve more around like a kid cast, and their grandfather is their grandfather is from Ghostbusters, Bill Murray. So okay. <laughs> his character all from right. Ghostbusters. But, and in my last bit, or a couple last bits of movie news, two more, and we'll get <laughs> on to it. Um we have the X-Men Dark Phoenix. I don't know if you heard about that at all, but apparently that's a disaster. They released a trailer for it, and they've been like pushing it back and pushing it back. And, of course, they had that deal where I think Fox got bought out by Disney. And oh, so, wow. What? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and so... Uh, <laughs> You're dropping some major bombs. Yeah, and so uh, it's like a merger or something. Basically, they're taking over the property, and X-Men, the Dark Phoenix, it keeps on getting pushed back. And I guess apparently, like last week, they did some tests, you know, test audience with it. Yeah, and yeah. They did really bad, and they're doing reshoots. They're putting another twenty million aside to do reshoots for this movie. But I don't know if you should believe test audience or not. But I believe this movie might be bad. So. <laughs> well, honestly, Jean Grey is like my most hated mutant of the X Men cast. I, uh-huh. I I don't know why. I I hate her character. And watching the animated series, the X Men animated series. That whole saga, the the Dark Phoenix yeah. saga, was the worst part of that whole uh, whole show. <laughs> that show is good, but it can get crazy in that show. Oh yeah, like, man. Just, yeah, but <laughs> when freaking when Wolverine had the fight against Morph, oh man, that's oh, insane. Yeah. <laughs> and then you think Morph is dead from the first episode. Yeah, and so, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so apparently that's gonna be bad. Well, I mean, we already got Dark Phoenix and X Men Three. Yeah, I don't know why we're getting it again. And so <laughs> and and she killed Cyclops. <laughs> yeah, and Professor X, but yeah. he just came back. It's just don't think about it. Just <laughs> just 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 don't think about it. We don't it, talk about the yeah. Dark we don't times. talk. We don't talk about that stuff. But uh, yeah, so I mean, and it's funny how like even in that whole kind of universe with the James McAvoy one, you know, like you have Jennifer Lawrence who's Mystique, and you rarely see her in Mystique in the Mystique outfit. Mm. And same with Beast, you know. So, <laughs> but yeah, last bit of movie news. Um, did you ever hear they were going to do a Gambit movie? There, a yes, long time yes. ago yes like, i do remember that like and it 10 was, years ago <laughs> and the trailer looked terrible <laughs> i don't think there was a trailer for it so. oh maybe no i was thinking um that was 
his first appearance in, in X-Men the... Origins. Yes. Yeah. Okay, was, never mind. Yeah. But I do remember them talking about doing a Gambit so, movie. So I guess they've been talking about doing a Gambit movie for the longest time. Mm, um, since like Wolverine Origins came out. And, uh, and I think that was like 10 years ago. And um, for... on that same vein, Gambit was my favorite X-Men. <laughs> Gambit was my favorite. One of my favorites. So. <laughs> but uh, Does he have a, a Creolan accent? Oh, no. In the... In Origins or in... Uh, yeah, didn't he? He had like I some... Think he had some sort like a southern Louisiana accent. I just remember Taylor... Taylor Kitsch is the, the actor who mm. played him and his, everything okay. about that movie was... Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> if they keep that, then they can scrap everything Yeah, else. we don't talk about the dark times. So. <laughs> but anyways, uh, it's been rumored for a long time or basically somewhat confirmed that Channing Tatum was going to play really? Gambit for this wow. Gambit movie. <laughs> And they've gone through, I think, like two or three directors. And I think just like two days ago, Channing Tatum said he might direct it himself because it's it's not going anywhere. It's It's been in like projection hell or just in a standpoint for, I guess, like the last five years. Oh, man. And I okay. guess Channing Tatum really wants to play Gambit. And so, <laughs> you know, he should just pay for his own movie, just like M. Night Shyamalan. And so, <laughs> He's going to pull a Ben Affleck and say, oh, I'll, I'll do the movie. I'll do it all. I don't yeah. care. Like, <laughs> just as long as I'm in the movie, as long as I'm Batman, I'll do the movie. <laughs> just get Jonah Hill to play Rogue or something. Like, it's just him and all his friends. And... Oh, yeah. He's going to be the next Adam Sandler and just hanging out with his friends. To... Just movie after movie. Yeah, Netflix just, and... <laughs> yeah just him chilling with his with his friends. Oh, we got to make a movie? Uh, give me $10 million and I'll just hang out with some guys. Just, oh, man. <laughs> and that's how they get you, too, with the Adam Sandler movies. Like, oh, look at all these actors in yeah. one movie. And you're like, this might be good. But if you learned anything from the last recent Adam Sandler movies, you just... You just don't even put it on. You just <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's pretty much it for movie news, at least all that I have right now. Um, so next thing that we'll kind of go into is we'll go into the commentary with Split. Okay. So basically with Split, we have where it was a $9 million budget when it first when it was being made, of course. And opening weekend, it grossed $40 million. So $40 million opening weekend and $278 million worldwide. And at this point with Split... Um, M. Night Shyamalan's movies, you know, because he had Signs, he had Unbreakable. Oh, sorry, he had Six Sense, Signs. Oh, sorry, Six Sense, Unbreakable, and then Signs. And, and you know what we didn't mention in our Unbreakable episode? Uh huh. The year before, did you know that he wrote the screenplay for Stuart Little? I think I remember hearing that. Yeah, he but, did. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> he wrote the screenplay for Stuart Little, and it's just crazy. It's... I haven't seen that movie in forever. I don't even. <laughs> Matter of I, man. But I just it just blew me away when I fa- I realized that fact that, and then the year after he makes Unbreakable, this gritty, yeah. <laughs> grounded superhero movie. But right before that, he makes this family friendly mouse that can talk and all that. <laughs> was Bruce Willis and Stuart Little? That'd be hilarious if he was. But <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, oh yeah. So when Split came out, uh, M. Night Shyamalan, he had like a really kind of bad string of just movies that weren't going anywhere. Like they were big misses. Like he had The Happening with Marky Mark, you know, mm, that yeah. basically didn't do too well critically. You had, of course, The Last Airbender, which was like considered one of the worst movies of all time. And, <laughs> oh, that's so sad. And then you had After Earth with Will Smith and <laughs> and Jaden Smith. So, And then after that, it was The Visit, which I never saw The Visit, but I heard it kind of got mixed reviews, but it was kind of almost back to form with mm. M. Night Shyamalan. And then Split came out, and I feel like it's definitely a big hit when it comes to Split. I feel like it when I when I first saw it, which was a couple of weeks ago, 
I really liked it. I was all on board with it. And of course, spoiler alert, which everyone knows, it's connected to the Unbreakable universe. Yeah. And yeah. And I, I agree with you. Split was an amazing it movie. Was, it was good. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I was trying to, you know, with M. Night Shyamalan, you always looking for that twist. And the twist being that it's actually a comic book movie yeah. or a superhero movie, that that's amazing, you know? Right. When when you think of M. Night Shyamalan or when you just think of twist in general in the media or in, in different mediums and books and movies and TV shows, you're like, oh, the killer was in the house the whole time yeah. or the friend was actually the betrayer. But it's, it's just a completely different genre. This movie is actually a comic book movie. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually connected yeah, to yeah. Unbreakable. And so, so it's one of those fourth wall genre uh, yeah right. fourth wall twist <laughs> and you know the thing it's like yeah 2000 was unbreakable and then 2016 was split so you had a 16 year gap yeah yeah before you know any of this even happened and so apparently m night Shyamalan he wrote um he wrote the character james mcavoy's character kevin wendell crumb to be in the unbreakable movie but yeah i, guess I read there that was, yeah, yeah there's there was just it didn't really fit in that movie and so he got shelved hmm. and so i don't know why all of a sudden you know he got a movie 16 years later but i feel like it really works and and there was those fan theories or un unofficial things that they said that in the in the stadium when he touches that mother yes. with the child and she appears to be abusive to her children yeah. that is a that is supposedly uh kevin yeah kevin yeah that's supposed but to be kevin you know right no official no official statement was released on that right a little easter egg i guess you could say so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so i mean i was a big fan of this movie and i feel like it works on like more ways than one but we kind of start off with where we have that birthday party it's an opening intro and our three main girl characters are Casey, Claire, and Mercia. So those are our three main girl characters. We have a doctor named Dr. Fletcher, and then James McAvoy's character is Kevin Wendell Crumb. And so he has DID, uh, different identity disorders, I mm. think is what they say in the movie. And he has 23 different personalities. And that's actually based off a real life you know, person who was diagnosed with Billy different Milligan. Yes. Yeah. And so, and apparently one of his identities, you know, did some bad things. And that's where like the idea of this character came up with. Should we talk about that? DID? Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, we can talk about it. So <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, you know, it's that uh, DID, it's a very, what is that? Gray area with psychology and all that. Yeah. And some people feel that it, it's, it's not real. Or it's bogus. It, or, yeah, yeah. yeah. And even with the Dr. Fletcher, her character, uh -huh. she's a bit of, um, she's not at that respected. You know, yeah. she has a hard time trying to. They see to, her as reaching. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and I do like that, what is it, uh, M. Night Shyamalan put that in there to kind of show a little bit of grounding to our real world that, you know, right, right now society, they're, there has been more advancements in the idea of like you know mental health and all mm -hmm. that and and being more sensitive to that and i and for the audience out there i'm not trying to be insensitive or anything like that you know i i feel that mental mental health is something that's very important for all of us to be able to deal with and to and to try to cope with and and when you see someone with a problem you should do something about it but there's a little bit of like the controversial thing within this movie is that it has 
aspects of real real things grounded within DID and then also it has some outlandish things and I don't know how you feel in regards to does it glorify that negative side or like you know that there's there has to be a negative to someone with DID or something along those lines or anything what do you what are your thoughts I mean I guess my thoughts on it with this movie is I feel like that's a real good situation to where it does ground that where it does ground this kind of you know, the superhero movie, I guess you could say, in quotations, the superhero <laughs> movie, it grounds that superhero movie and it reminds me a lot of uh, Legion, you know, Professor mm. X's son who has, you know, different identities or who has multiple personality disorder yes, yes. and each personality has a different, you know, superpower. And mm. so, but I liked how it was included into this and, you know, I think it makes it a little bit more aware as far as like mental health goes. And all I'll say as far as like mental health and just even just this in general is, you know, the brain's a very tricky thing. And yes, so, yes. yeah, you know, the brain is a very tricky thing. And, you know, I'm sure people have experienced where your mind plays tricks on itself, you know, or if you've ever been really, really tired and yeah. And so, so that's what I'll kind of go in with that. But yeah, as far as this movie goes, you know, I think they do a good job, especially James McAvoy's performance with this. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Oh, man. Oh, if you shoot. haven't seen this movie, even though you know the big twist that, you know, it's it's, it's connected well to Unbreakable, you know, watch it for James McAvoy. Oh, you know, yeah. definitely right there. So, I mean, we start off with our movie where they're at the birthday party mm. and we have Casey and the two other girls, uh, Claire and Mercia, I believe is their name. Yeah. And I think it's pronounced Marcia. Marcia? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, whatever her name is. <laughs> but yeah, so they're at the birthday party and the birthday party's wrapping up and Casey, who is our main character or one of our main characters, female characters, she's, you know, sitting there waiting for a ride that's probably not going to show up. Mm. And, you know, that's when uh, Claire's dad offers to give her a ride home. And there's already kind of hinted abuse toward Casey because they talk a little bit about how she's really quiet at school. Yeah, standoffish, yeah. lone wolf sort of thing, she'll, spacing out. She'll yell at teachers like purposely. Like apparently the rumor is she'll purposely get detention and she'll yell at teachers and stuff like that. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, okay, obviously this girl doesn't want to go home. So, you know, there's, there's some hinted abuse towards Casey and mm. it gets explored later on in the movie. But as they're packing up, you know, pretty much the dad and even her friends, you know, Claire says it was a pity invite. You can't just invite, you know, I mean, everyone except one girl. Yeah. So yeah. they, they kind of gave her a pity invite and everything like that, but they're going to give her a ride home because they're not going to let her just, you know, stay there at wherever they're at. And so uh, as they're loading up in the vehicle, you know, you got the two girls who are in the back. They're on their phone looking at something. You got Casey in the front seat, in the passenger seat. And you notice that something's off. You know, you see the dad say, hey, can I help you? You know, to some sort of figure that's not there. And then Casey notices, like, the leftovers on the floor. And that's when we meet, you know, James McAvoy or Dennis, I guess you could say. One yeah. of the personalities, <laughs> Dennis. And I I will say to this point, the cinematography on this movie is great as well. Very different from, mm -hmm. from Unbreakable. But still, it has its own style that really portrays this sense of like chilling terror like not not showing anything scary but how the angles are put like when dennis is actually walking for toward the the father uh -huh. it's in a like a perspective yeah, a point POV of view shot yeah, yeah. and 
it it gives the audience that feeling that oh no something's coming like I'm yeah. getting uncomfortably close to this and guy. we don't know what it is like, and <laughs> that whole shot within the car itself and it sucks that they use that shot they use that scene in the trailer oh yeah but it's it it just says so much like and it goes with the whole theme of like some the 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 untainted the people that are. Uh, that don't go through problems and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I think he labels them as the impure. Yeah, the impure. Yeah, the yes, impure. there you go. The impure. So the impure, they don't have any problems or anything like that. And it's it's middle America, suburbia and stuff like uh-huh. that. The girls, they don't even react. Like they don't even notice. Yeah, they, Casey's the first one to notice that anything's going wrong and, at all. And they're so. not they're not freaking out. They're not like fighting or anything. They just they kind of look at it like, oh, who's this weirdo? Who's yeah. this dork that or that yeah, this weird guy that's coming in my car they say like excuse me i think you have the wrong car and it's it shows it's that subtle view of like this uh the impure that they haven't dealt with strife or or haven't dealt with struggle and stuff like that so Mm -hmm. they have this entitled look it's like what are you doing in my car yeah but for um what's the main character the girl's name uh casey casey yeah casey was it Casey? Yeah, I think it's Casey. Okay. Yeah, it's Casey, yeah. Okay, and Claire's the other girl. Yeah, Claire's yeah. the other girl, yeah. Okay, yeah, and Casey is, but you can see the terror in her eyes that she's actually freaking out, that yeah. she knows what's going on because she's had those previous traumas right. and stuff like that. And I just think it's just interesting that he knocks out the two girls and doesn't do anything to Casey. Right. Yeah, he's just... He, it's like he didn't see her or he doesn't acknowledge her or anything like that. Uh-huh. And it's, it's very subtle. Like, you know, that, that dynamic that it gets revealed later on in the movie that she also has gone through these, these traumas. Mm-hmm. But it, the way that, um, the way that, uh, M. Night Shyamalan puts it right in the beginning of the movie and you just kind of gloss over it. It's really very yeah. well done. It makes it a nice. I think that's what makes this movie a little bit more compelling. Is yeah, you have James McAvoy's performance, but you also have you know the girl who plays Casey. Oh yes, you know she definitely ties the movie together too as well with her whole backstory and just how she handles the whole situation too. And so, and I think I can't remember one hundred percent, but I think originally uh, the Horde or Dennis and Patricia and even Hedwig. They were only scoping out, I think, those two girls. Yes, I don't. Yes. Yeah, so Casey wasn't meant to be there. They were just happening to give her a ride. Oh, yeah, And yeah. so that might be part of the reason why he didn't even acknowledge her. And then, of course, when he does see her, he maces I don't know what it is, but he sprays her yeah. with something that knocks yeah. her out. I know. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's something. It's, yeah. It's, it's a spray that needs Chloroform, to be what it is. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, also, the, the shots, like... With Unbreakable, the shots were meant to have that same effect as in the move in the comic book panels. Like these shots, mm-hmm. a lot of them are face facial expression shots, right. very close up, and you see the little details, the the fear in their eyes, oh, yeah. raising eyebrows, all that stuff, all the reactions, exactly. Uh-huh. And I, I believe what is it, M Night Shyamalan? He got the cinematographer from the movie it follows yes he did yep. yes i didn't really care for that movie that's one of the movies that i did watch never saw it but that's something that's been on my list for a while so <laughs> i personally didn't care for it i know a lot of people give it praise but it wasn't really my thing uh-huh but i will say yes it tracks the cinematography in in that movie and in this movie mm-hmm. very similar i do i but i do like 
how these shots are are done for the movie or split. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely right there. So and, I mean, and also I, I like uh, Claire, the actor. What is her name? Um, Anna Taylor Joy, I think it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. So I, I like her, but does her eyes seem farther? It's pretty far apart. Does she, you know, now that you say something, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just one of the first things that, and I'm not saying that she's beautiful. She, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's oh, yeah. beautiful. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I'm ugly, <laughs> but I'm just saying. That's that, why we do podcasting. You can't see our faces exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but when the when the shot was just a still of her face and she's like freaking out, I just noticed that. Her eyes seem a little farther apart than, than normal, but not to send her message. How, <laughs> I want you to measure with a ruler. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, basically, they all get abducted. So they all get abducted: Casey, uh, Claire, and then random girl number three, and so <laughs> our gr- friend girl number three. Yeah. And so as they get abducted, Dennis is the one who abducts them, and that's one thing I really like with James McAvoy's performance. You can you can tell. When one, you know, when one personality comes in yes. and the other one steps in, you can yeah, tell very Dennis drastic. from Patricia oh, and yeah. everything, Hedwig. So they're in that room. They get put in that room. And then that's when Dennis comes in and then he picks random girl number three, you know, yeah. not Claire or Casey. <laughs> so, and so picks her, says, I'll get you. And then as she's freaking out, that's when Casey tells her, you know, to pee on yourself. Yeah. And yeah. so, of course, as she gets put, you know, out there, you know, she that's what she does. She pisses herself. And as she comes back in, because she doesn't know it, but Dennis has OCD. Mm. And so, of course, he's completely disgusted by it. You know, he has to clean everything. Yeah, and, and again, they did very subtle things that alerted Casey so that she was able to give that piece of information to Marcia. But I just, it was interesting that she's going about it very cool and calm. Yeah. She's not freaking out. She's used to... Being under pressure, she's used to traumatic experiences. Exactly, and I think that's yeah. what made her like stronger as a character and knowing exactly what her limitations are. Even when yeah, even when Claire was freaking out and saying, Oh, we gotta overpower him, she was offering she wasn't like completely shooting her down and saying, No, you can't do that, stupid. Yeah. She was calmly saying, No, D you can't do that, and this is why. He looks like he can rip yeah. you apart and all that. Exactly. And so, even with her whole, you know, they they label it as like that's victim shit, all that stuff. And so, you know, Claire saying, you know, she took six months of some sort of random martial art, you know, it's not the same. Yeah, you and know? it's it's that idea of being smart about it and panicking. Or yeah, being smart about it and finding your opening as opposed to panicking and trying to throw whatever to the right. wall. In that situation, I don't know. I feel like <laughs> I would be Claire in that situation that yeah. I would if someone abducted me, I would be going crazy trying yeah. to wail on him even if i couldn't and even if i knew that i wouldn't be able to overpower them i'd probably be in that situation or yeah. i would probably do the same thing that claire is suggesting oh yeah definitely right there i think one thing is casey because she suffers you know and spoiler alert, you know she suffers that trauma from her uncle or still lives with her uncle yeah that she's probably tried fighting back her uncle before but yeah. it hasn't worked out and so should have pulled so, the trigger <laughs> yeah exactly yeah exactly for real so so, I mean, throughout the whole movie, we're getting flashbacks of basically Casey's, you know, childhood with mm. her dad and then also her uncle as well. And so 
we're getting those flashbacks where they're talking about like Buck Fever. Buck Fever, you know, they're all into hunting. So yeah, yeah. Her, her dad, her, her uncle, you know, they always usually all go hunting out in the woods and everything. And it's a bit of a red herring that, like that beginning. Yeah. That beginning shot with all three of them together. It's kind there's of something sh- uneasy about it. Yeah, I don't yeah. know exactly what it is, but you feel like there's something. There's something there's something weird that's going on. Between, yeah, like, but the uncle, yeah. How the dad is acting and and how. It's not Claire. It's Casey. How Casey. Casey is acting as well as a as a little girl, she's there. It, it, it's a bit of a red herring because they're all getting getting along well together. Uh-huh. And then later on, you find out that the uncle is doing these bad things. Yeah, and it, this is not the first time being that sexually he's doing, abusive. Yeah, you know, yeah, to this his is niece. yeah, this is not the first time. But at that moment. You know, they're all laughing, they're all smiling and enjoying himself, enjoying each other's company. Uh-huh. And it's just, it was, it's very interesting. It's very interesting that it's slowly, like as I was saying with Unbreakable, it was very somber and very sad. Yeah. Everyone's sad. Everyone's sad. No one's laughing. Uh-huh. Everyone's down. But this, it's a curve down. It's, yeah. As you find out the relationship with the family, you you see this happy-go-lucky, picturesque. Oh, we're going out and hunting, and then it slowly goes down yeah. and degrades. takes a dark side. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Definitely, it takes a dark side right there. So, we get these flashbacks, and yeah, in the beginning, you know, Claire wants to fight. Casey doesn't. She's completely against it right there, and then. We cue into Barry, or I guess you could say Dennis pretending to be Barry, and he meets with Dr. Fletcher. And so when he meets with Dr. Fletcher, and this is, I really like Dr. Fletcher in there because she already, she really knows, she already kind of gets like tipped off a bit that this isn't Barry. Hmm. This isn't one of the identities. This is a different identity because she's noticing certain things like him adjusting, you know, the things in the room, you know, making sure everything's perfect. Hmm. And so that's where we meet, you know, Dr. Fletcher, and of course, Dennis is pretending to be Barry as Dr. Fletcher, yeah. or as he meets Dr. Fletcher. And so I really like that whole dynamic between the doctor and, you know, Kevin or all his personalities and how she she knows them, you know, pretty well, the ones that she met or the ones that, you know, she's been told about. Yes, yes. She knows which one is which. And so... And I would think they they obviously spent years together. Yeah. And... Over 10 years, I think... That's yeah. the thing, because he's had that job for, they said, 10 years. So yes, over yes. 10 years, he's probably been with her. And and I would give it to the doctor if they were, you know, attentive and actually cared about their patients and stuff like that. It would make sense for her to be able to see the little nuances between yeah. the 23 personalities that oh, are yeah. coming in and out. But, yeah, and I do like that. It's very grounded that the way that the doctor is going about it is how a professional should go about it, that giving them space, allowing to them to come to her Mm -hmm. and and being not accusatory, but allowing that option to right to Kevin. So to be honest, for Dennis to come out and say that he's not Barry and that he is, you know, he is. Dennis. She's very encouraging. She's trying to. inflate the ego of Dennis and stuff later on yeah. in the movie she's saying oh you you're strong Ke- Kevin needed you and yeah. and then that's what kind of I understand him out. why you did the things you had to do exactly you know? yeah. yeah and I guess that's one with Dr. Fletcher she even says she committed her whole life to her patients and you know doing this whole DID thing and apparently she's lost a lot of her patients into the system so of course probably crimes things like that 
and so are just being you know institutionalized and um and i like how you know all of his personalities they're all their main goal is they just want to protect kevin you know what yeah, I mean? yeah yeah they, they just all want to protect kevin which is kind of sweet <laughs> yeah yeah it really is yeah they're all well, i mean they all share the same body but yeah it really is where they all just want to protect kevin so we cue back to where the girls are being kept prisoner basically mm. in that room and they hear another person talking so they know all they know right now is that just someone kidnapped them just this one person and they hear a girl or a female kind of voice talking off to the side and they're trying to tell them that they're here and that's when dennis tells them that there's three girls in there and so when they come in they meet patricia who of course is you know james mcavoy and so oh yeah and this is when his acting prowess really goes on display like that's already three characters three different distinct characters that that james is playing and for the listener out there, if you heard Dragon Questicles, I myself, I try to do different voices yeah. and I try to play different characters and all that. It is freaking hard, man. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I, it's hard for me to get in character. It's hard for me to make voices, even convincing voices. Yeah. <laughs> and her, his, his female voice is very convincing that it, it, gets these three girls to think oh there's a woman there (laughs) yeah they think there's someone else there and i just i like the face that they make when you know patricia walks in oh yes and their faces are freaked out because you know this is you know they're like that's the guy who took us yeah you know of course he's in women's clothes and he's saying you know i'm patricia and even dennis's mentions them as sacred food so we hear them being called sacred food and you know they tell later why that is yeah and again that was also a really good shot that it's a point of view shot from uh from patricia's position and she opens the door walks in and all you can see are the three girls faces that's all you can Uh see and then the camera spins around and it shows james in a in a a, a woman's outfit or something yeah some sort of dress so i just love the look on their face because they're like they're like oh how do we get out of this one (laughs) oh yeah this dude is insane (laughs) and uh a little kind of side story i saw uh i saw glass over the weekend Mm. and so and i took my girlfriend to go see glass and she didn't see unbreakable she didn't see split or any of that so yeah. i had to give her like a crash course of, <laughs> of you know unbreakable and split and i'm talking about split i'm talking about like dennis patricia hedwig all this stuff yeah yeah and everyone knows at least this part from the glass trailer where you know of course patricia you know uh james mcavoy's characters in glass and so as soon as patricia comes onto the screen in glass my girlfriend leans over to me and she just whispers like is that patricia and like just immediately knows who she is yeah so, yeah <laughs> so I that was pretty funny but mm-hmm. yeah so we have it where uh, Patricia comes in. They all just look completely terrified of what's going to happen. And even after she leaves, Dennis, you know, is told that he got reminded that they're sacred food and that he's not allowed to touch them and that, you know, he apologized for, you know, trying to make one of them dance for him. And so <laughs> so that's Dennis for you. That's though. what he's into, man. Yeah. Classic Dennis. And so, <laughs> so anyways, um, we cue back to our favorite doctor, Dr. Fletcher. And she's talking with another colleague and she's talking about how she's, you know, her floor, her floor panel for her DID patients. And she's talking with that colleague about how they change their body. Um, They can even change like their body chemistry. And of course, you know, her colleague is already kind of putting her down, say, we'll put you in personality disorder, not your own separate thing as far as like your own very own special segment. Because I guess apparently she uses like a dog as an example and all yeah, this stuff. Yeah. And, so. <laughs> and this is one thing that I really liked also is that 
basically there's there's three different things going on at the same time uh-huh. and in the beginning i was not confused but it just seemed jarring and disjointed it was jumping from scene to scene to scene from the from the girls to the doctors to the flashback and all of that and i didn't know what was going on uh-huh. but it i feel like it did a really good job in setting up setting up this um because, this wider universe of exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. So cuz by the end of it you you understand oh this is what's really going on with James McAvoy's I always it messed up his name. James McAvoy's character that he's uh he's embodying the the physical traits yeah. of the characters that that he or the the personalities that mm-hmm. are within him and it's I I do like that it's you know how they say show don't tell yeah but they do both of it they yeah. kind of set it up and then they show how it's actually taking effect in oh, the yeah. movie which is great i love that and it gets hinted at too like in that whole scene when she's talking with her colleague and you know he talks about you act like they're supernatural in a sense where these different personalities have all these different traits and because they believe in something that they can do these things mm. and so and that's kind of the premise of like unbreakable if you believe hard enough you can you know bend metal or you know bench press 500 pounds you know you can do it <laughs> and so you know maybe not always but you just have to believe really hard and so i think it's kind of their superpowers you know are kind of based on like that belief system at least to a certain point and maybe that's why like david dunn's character bruce willis's character is so vulnerable with water because he almost died with water. Mm. It's not so much that it's his kryptonite or his weakness. It's just he almost died when he was a kid from it. And that's what crashes his belief system of that's why I'm unbreakable. And, you know, that's what prevents me from, you know, benching and pressing 500 pounds. And so. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I in that. um Oh, uh, we'll get to actually we'll get to that whole panel that she has on the on the. Oh yeah, when for she's, the conference. Yeah, yeah we'll so, talk about that later. So, anyways, we cut back to the girls, and then we meet Hedwig, and so, <laughs> and I really like Hedwig, you know, as as a character, and so, <laughs> yeah, 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 me too, man. Yeah. <laughs> Kanye's my main man. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, that dance scene. It reminded oh, me. So it, it reminded me of Tom Cruise in Tropic Thunder. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just again one of those stationary shots, just like in Tropic Thunder. Yeah. that the the music starts building up and then he's just like slowly getting into it and then he just goes crazy <laughs> i love his dance we'll talk a little bit more about it later oh, yeah, 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 yeah so <laughs> uh we meet head we meet hedwig hedwig etc and so <laughs> and so uh they're hedwig's nine years old he's one of their personalities that they meet basically and immediately claire kind of jumps on board to talking to hedwig because she kind of sees that's her way out mm. you know that hedwig's nine years old and that he might actually let he let her out yeah, you know yeah. that's not the thing to do we can't fight this guy off but we might be able to get one of his personalities and maybe you know lead us out and so they talk about the room they're in and how it took a while for it to make it safe and then that's when they start kind of you know scouring the room and when they're scouring the room, that's when they discover that, like, there's a ceiling vent in there and that the wall was recently, like, put in. And Claire tries to escape. And so she, I can't remember exactly what she does. She climbs through something, 
and she's yeah. running down the hall. And yeah, it was a, uh, a ventilation. Yeah, some yeah. sort of shaft thing. Yeah, so yeah, she gets out of there, and I think it's funny the whole time, like, they're holding the door against Hedwig, and he's just like, I'm going to slap you bitches. And so <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, I'm going to slap you bitches. <laughs> oh, Hedwig. Yeah, he learned that from Kanye. Yeah, he learned that from Kanye. <laughs> and so um, Clara escapes, and then Dennis comes out. So Dennis comes out, you know, is able to push his way through and yeah he, he changes super fast yeah he too. really does yeah so and he even tells me you shouldn't trick you know you shouldn't trick children mm. and so um dennis eventually finds her as claire's running out she hides in the locker and everything and, yeah and and he asks her to come out of the locker are there latches inside lockers i've never been put inside of a locker i've never been either so yeah so she automatically knows how to like open the latch from the inside and i don't know if that's a thing i don't know if there was a latch or i'm not sure yeah i i I always thought that when you get stuffed in the locker you can't get out until someone opens locker for you i think if there's a lock on it i don't think there was a lock on it Mm. that's why so Mm. i think she just hid in there which she probably should have just kept on running, you know, as far as yeah, she could. Yeah. yeah. And so, <laughs> just run. They man. always like, say you can run, but you can't hide. Yeah. <laughs> Try hiding. Well, hiding didn't work in this situation. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so anyways, uh, Dennis finds her. And then after he finds her, takes her out. And then, you know, he gets all mad because her shirt's dirty. And so. Yeah, yeah. And so has her taken off. Pervy. <laughs> yeah, a little pervy. He's just like, I'm trying to be good. And it's like, Jesus, Dennis. And so, so um, he separates claire she gets put in a separate room entirely away from the other two girls casey and random random girl number three and yeah. so i will say I, I have in my notes the third girl i put the third girl is needy she's extra <laughs> yeah she is a little extra so <laughs> i mean claire i feel like she's handling as best as she, as she can she's handling a bit better from the third girl like for sure and yeah. so yeah <laughs> marcia is throughout the time that they're there she's clinging to someone she's clinging to claire and now because she clings claire's to casey gone, she clears, yeah she i never casey. noticed that before yeah she was clinging to casey and yeah. so <laughs> so um we cue into where dr uh, dr fletcher she's given that lecture now yes, on the yes. on the did so she's given the given it on it and she starts talking about like the different strengths you know basically that hint towards the wider universe that you know, we're not just in this closed off split movie by itself. It is connected and unbreakable because, you know, she talks about the different strengths, how it can happen. Yeah. And, and how- she talks about how these broken people, we we view them as broken or the people with mental disorders or disabilities mm-hmm. or something of that nature that maybe they're not the broken ones. Maybe they're the more evolved ones right. that are able to tap into these inert powers that are yeah. within us. And I think that's where like in general that's where it has similarities with like x-men of course because with Mm. like that whole mutant gene it gets exposed whenever they experience like a traumatic event yes yes. like yeah so that's whenever that that's when their mutant gene kicks in and i guess with kevin it's you know his years of you know physical abuse that he got from his mother um david from almost dying a bunch of times and not and so that that is that was an interesting thing that i was thinking about also is that with mr glass and with her Elijah and David Dunn, their characters, they had it from birth. Yeah, that's true. So with with Kevin, what is oh Crumb, yeah. Yeah, Kevin yeah, Kevin Wendell Crumb. Yes. <laughs> with Kevin Crumb, his was was his from birth as well? Was he did did he have this inclination or this natural inclination to have multiple personalities or what I'm trying to think what 
fitting it into the universe is his power. Right. I guess his power would be, you know, whatever the beast is. So, I mean, you know, as far as like super strength, we'll get a little bit more into that as far as like the beast. And so, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I guess that's just one of his, it's just that personality specifically. Mm, and interesting. And I guess that's where like the franchise itself, it kind of like, I think it has a little bit of, it might have a little bit of issues of digging like, okay, do we want to go off like the superhero route or still try to keep it where are these really superheroes or they're just people that believe you know, they can do these specific things yeah, and that's yeah. why they're able to do it. And mm. so, um, and I guess the rest on that is just, I guess, watch glass. And so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely have to watch that. <laughs> and so, uh, anyways, uh, Dr. Fletcher, she's given her lecture about the DID. She's taught, you know, she's given those hints, you know, as she's doing it via Skype about this bigger universe. And then we have where Dennis is meeting with Dr. Fletcher again, because all we know is apparently someone is emailing her to do an emergency session and Dennis is still pretending to be Barry and yeah, you know, Dr. Fletcher, she still kind of, you know, still thinks that it's not Barry. She still thinks that that is going to, that is Dennis, you know, based off, you know, her, her reports on it. And so after Dennis leaves, you know, he tries to prove that he's not, he's not Dennis, that he is Barry. He dirties his shirt, eats chocolate. Yeah. He does all this (laughs) stuff, trying to make it convincing as much as he can that he isn't, you know, Dennis. Yeah. Which I I have here freaking, James McAvoy, another testament to him being an awesome character is him playing as Dennis that's playing as Barry. Yeah. <laughs> it's actor inception. I'm a dude playing another dude playing another dude. And so... <laughs> another reference to Tropic Thunder. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah, he really is. He's a guy playing a guy playing another guy, pretending to be another guy. And so um, after Dennis leaves, you know, of course, Dr. Fletcher's not too sure. And then that's where we get our M. Night Shyamalan reference, you know, our yeah. cameo where he's Yeah, he in has there. to be in it. <laughs> yeah, he has to be in it. He has to be in all his movies. And so uh, he, she's Dr. Fletcher's looking at the security tapes of, you know, Barry walking out. And then, you know, of course, she sees that instead of walking around trash because Dennis has OCD, he walks straight through. And that's when she gets the conclusion that, you know, he's pretending to be yeah, Barry. Yeah. A normal person would walk around the trash, but someone who's, you know, who has OCD is pretending is just going to walk straight through it. He's just putting on an act. So, And I do like it in the first time that they met, he was looking at the candy dish and messing around with it and filling it. Uh-huh. And I do know that that exists, that with OCD, having all those different colors and, and different brands of candy inside of a dish would be hell for people. Yeah. They separate it out. They pull out the different colors. It's just a nightmare. Yeah, just like with M&Ms, they all need to be in separate bowls or something like that. (laughs) So I I did like that little nod, the little attention to detail. But then, again, going back to the whole, uh, it's it's this taking – is it grounded or are they doing something like completely off? Because right. with uh, I uh, DID, uh, they have they have certain symptoms that fit within that uh, within that diagnosis, but then they also do these crazy symptoms that yeah. are just full blown out there. I feel like that's something Unbreakable and Split. You know, they might have a hard time of figuring out like how grounded do we want to be, exactly. and how fantastical do we want to be? Yeah, yeah. And I feel like they do a good job in Unbreakable of kind of being like in that middle ground. And I think they kind of do here in Split a little bit as well. But I feel like the only reason it works as well as it does is because it is connected to Unbreakable. And Unbreakable kind of lays down that foundation of, you know, this somewhat fantastical world that's a little bit more grounded in reality. So 
I guess that's like a lot of comic. Oh yeah, and know, but. <laughs> and I and I I know people that once they watched Split and then they found out that it was part of the Unbreakable universe, it changed their whole perception on the movie and oh, made yeah. them like it a whole lot more because, it, as as you put it, that like when you find out that it's uh it's tied in with that universe then yeah okay i'll allow my suspension of disbelief to take hold yeah. and i'll let it do what it wants to do exactly that's where you kind of like well you know it's already set up and unbreakable and it's like that's why it's so you know over the top yeah and i feel like that's something with this movie too if you took out like the superhero aspect of it and he just made it about like a crazy guy and when he becomes the beast he's just a crazy guy yeah i feel like it would still work but yes, fact, yes. yeah <laughs> where it's like okay yeah he's the beast but you know he's just a crazy guy and so <laughs> actually i read that in early screenings of the movie they took out that last bit so that uh-huh. they would keep the the twist for the for the actual audience, audience. yeah yeah, yeah so. screw those test audience people so <laughs> what do they know so so anyways, we keep on getting flashbacks of basically, you know, Casey's, you know, upbringing or I guess her just her time with her uncle and her dad. And as they're kind of going back, they're talking about, you know, hunting. Hunting's the main thing. That's the main thing that they do in their family. And so we have that flashback where, you know, Casey is with her father and he's talking about how, you know, during mating season, you know, bucks kind of get crazy. And I feel like there's references between like these bucks and of course, like the beast or the kind of, you know, character James McAvoy plays. Yeah. yeah. And where, you know, bucks during like mating season, they get dumb. And so, (laughs) (laughs) and so try to outsmart them, try to outsmart the animal. And so after we have that flashback scene, we have Patricia that wakes them up and starts, you know, making them lunch. And so, (laughs) and I think that's also, that goes with the whole red herring of, oh, it's a nice family thing. I think, for some audience, for me, in the beginning, before like it starts making that turn, I would I thought that oh they're showing this flashback because they're trying to show that Casey is very capable that she learned all these survival things from her dad and her uncle mm-hmm. and then she's going to use that to escape from the beast right but it ends up being a total hard left turn right it does yeah <laughs> so yeah I I thought that's what they were setting it up. Uh, so uh-huh. what they were setting up and i'm i'm assuming that other people felt that way as well but yeah they did a really good job of keeping that hey we're a fa- happy family and we're just trying to teach you these survival skills yeah teaching about hunting and stuff and yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't get buck fever so <laughs> yeah so we have it where patricia's making them lunch and even in that scene you know they're talking about you know zoo animals um patricia's talking about tigers all these things yeah yeah and even casey brings up the whole you know bucks again because that's what she grew up on and also i want to bring up it, right before she starts making them sandwiches she she's doing their hair and she oh puts yeah f- uh, puts flowers in their hair and stuff like that she, like yanks on casey's head too. yeah <laughs> when she's putting the flowers in marsha's hair the extra girl in uh-huh. her hair she hits her nose <laughs> it's very <laughs> subtle but she hits her nose and i bet just... <laughs> james mcavoy did that on purpose like <laughs> and that's the thing with this movie too a lot of yellow is everywhere mm. so like even dennis's handkerchief when he you know is yeah. cleaning stuff it's you know yellow. what you're right 
right, man. And I didn't even is yellow. Yeah, and... <laughs> I, didn't figure, I didn't see that. So yeah, and even when they go in there, the flowers are yellow. The flowers in the bathroom are yellow. So there's a lot of yellow imagery everywhere. So it's and, green, purple, and yellow. Yeah, green, purple, and yellow. <laughs> so and apparently yellow represents madness, and it represents caution and physical illness too, as well. Oh and hey, so, look yeah, at that! Wow. I used Google. Who knew? So. <laughs> oh, this guy did some homework. <laughs> yeah. So, so of course, madness being, I think, the main thing that it's kind of gearing to is yeah this guy's insane obviously and yeah, so well, yeah. you know he has a mental disorder <laughs> and so uh as Patricia's making them the sandwich, you know, you see her get upset because she can't make that darn sandwich straight, you know? And so, yeah. and then Mar- or uh, random girl number three, Marsha, whatever her name is, she uh, she tries to escape and she hits Patricia the with a chair. way ever. Oh, my goodness. Like, why not just finish the job? Like, yeah. yeah. And and the way that she hits her, first, first of all, it's a folding chair. Okay. <laughs> and then second of all, to the side, like, <laughs> she hits her right in her, her right side. Yeah. Like, you go for the head you want to go to the back and yeah. head and knock her out <laughs> and just keep on hitting so. yeah. <laughs> and during that whole scene you know she's getting ready to do it uh, Marsha's getting ready to pull, hold up that chair and then of course Casey's looking at her just like no don't do it <laughs> you know don't do it you know you're going to make her mad you know yeah, yeah. and so of course she does it and then Patricia tells her go to your room immediately and Casey just goes to her room mm. and so <laughs> and, and then you know they start hunting down you know Marsha and so and that was a pretty sharp knife that she was using to yeah. spread mayonnaise. <laughs> she was. Yeah, that's awfully sharp. Yeah. <laughs> and so she's pointing it at Marsha's belly. And so and then we learn exactly like why those girls, why they were why they were picked. So we learned why they were picked. And it's the whole, you know, they're they've been sheltered their whole entire lives where they're unbroken. They're considered impure because they haven't experienced things are not torn. Mm. And so and because Kevin Wendell Crumb or his whole psyche of the other personalities is they're very broken. Yeah. They're very broken people. And so they feel like those who aren't broken, you know, they can't live up to their full potential. And that's, that's part of the reason why they're considered sacred, you know, sacred food in quotations. Mm. And so and um so they end up, we find out why they get picked, and then they end up separating uh, Marsha. Marsha gets put into her own room, and then we meet Hedwig again. And so we meet Hedwig, and as Hedwig is talking to her, you know, talking to Casey, she talks, Hedwig, we find out that Hedwig's the one who controls the light. Yeah, and yeah. And so, yeah, so we learn about the light and how basically it's with all of Kevin's different personalities where there's like a chair. And I think that's how they explain it. There's yeah, like a chair. yeah, everyone's in a room. Yeah. They all have... We all have chairs, yeah. And then, But there's a light that shines on one of them at a time. Yeah, and so whoever wants to take control of the body, you know, they have to go into the light. And mm. apparently, originally, the whole thing was Barry was supposed to have control of the light. So because Barry's, you know, considered um, extroverted, a leader, all this stuff... He was supposed to have the light because he'd be, you know, the most in charge and control who gets the light, who doesn't. But then we find out that Hedwig can control the light. So he is actually took the power away from Barry and he picks who gets the light and who doesn't get the light. Yeah, yeah. And then that's why they call like uh, Patricia and Dennis are called the Horde. And that's like a big thing they talk about where apparently they get they. It's funny how they get made fun of. They get yeah. ridiculed by their other personalities. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. And so, and so that's why they form together and they believe in the beast. And so, Hedwig we find out controls that light, 
And we get that funny scene where he's talking to Casey and Hedwood asks if he can kiss her. Yeah. <laughs> and she wanted to he wanted to kiss Marcia. Yeah. But she got she in got trouble. trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's oh man. I like Hedwig. He's just I don't know, there's just something about him. And oh, so yeah. so and Hedwig <laughs> <laughs> Edward kisses her and then he's just like I think you might be pregnant now yeah. <laughs> and she just agrees she's like yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's an awkward kiss too like it's just yeah. like yeah when I was watching it with my wife I don't know if you saw the movie oh man I think it's Oblivion with Tom Cruise I saw a lot I think I saw it in theaters when it first came out so yeah it's when his wife his yeah his fake wife kisses him and he just doesn't do anything with his lips he doesn't purse them or anything <laughs> or pucker up he just has his mouth open and the wife kisses kisses him me and my wife we have a joke whenever we kiss each other sometimes we just kiss each other and we say tom cruise <laughs> and it's just relaxed lips and then we talk about we she was saying oh james mcavoy just gave her a tom cruise <laughs> <laughs> oh man so yeah, and she's pregnant from it too. And so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, anatomy. So, <laughs> so, uh, so Hedwig's talking to Casey, and then that's when he talks about, you know, Connie is my main man. He talks about his CD player and everything. Yeah, it's he's right like, next to mm, his window. <laughs> mm, Connie's my main man. It gets me in the mood. He's like, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> and so, so he talks about his window and how he has a window in his room, and immediately that kind of raises a flag to Casey. Mm. She's like, oh, maybe you can, you know, show me your window. Yeah, and yeah. you know, show me your CD player. You know, all that stuff. And so, of course, you know, Hedwig's kind of like, you know, he's against, he's like, you're just trying to trick me. You're just trying to go and, you know, get out of the room or whatever. And then that's when Casey says, no, I wouldn't lie to you. I'll tell you something, you know, about me that I don't tell anybody. And that's when she says why she purposely, you know, gets in trouble at school, how she wants to be alone, you know. Yeah. Basically, yeah. yeah she wants, yeah, she doesn't want to go back to her uncle. So, <laughs> so they, um, so she tells Hedwig exactly why she gets into trouble and Hedwig believes her. And then we have it where Dr. Fletcher um, meets, uh, meets basically meets Dennis. We have it where, you know, Hedwig leaves Casey because he has an appointment. Dennis has an appointment and Dennis is still pretending to be Barry. And as he's talking to Dr. Fletcher, and that's when you were talking about, she brings up his ego a lot yeah. about why exactly Kevin needed him and everything and how she understands why he took the light because apparently there was this instant at work where I guess these two girls, they must have been like 17 or 18, and they purposely had Barry or had Kevin, you know, put his hand like basically on their boob. And yeah, so, yeah, yeah so th these girls forced him to touch their boobs, you know, and they were 17 or 18, and he thought it was just like a prank, but apparently he was really upset about it. And that might be why Dennis reemerged or was able to take control of the light. Mm. And so when that happens, Dennis comes out and says, you know, that he is dennis and so they shake hands and everything and so and they, they have like a really good one-on-one -on -one conversation and that's where i really like the you know his doctor and all of this oh yeah 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 she says she gave up you know she gave up her life basically to have her patients she chose this as her you know as her life that her patients are like her family and yeah she's super compassionate you know oh yeah like even later on in the movie when she uh just as what you said she gave up her life she's basically giving up her life right now yeah. she could be killed down there exactly because i mean yeah yeah but like she wants to help kevin and even 
even when she she's snooping around, she finds that dead body. She could have ran. She could have did anything. But yeah. she basically tries to talk Dennis out of what he's doing. I mean, even in that later scene when she discovers, I think it's Casey who's just on the ground, like kind of passed out. Just the look on her face is, you know, because she lost almost all her patients apparently yeah. to the system. And now she's about to lose, you know, she's about to lose her last patient probably yeah, yeah. to the system and everything, you know, because, you know, she's worked so hard to try to keep them going and it looks like they were doing so well you know all the personalities are doing so well they were working yeah, yeah. you know for 10 years and they were being model employees all that stuff so we uh dennis and uh dr fletcher they meet as they're in their you know in their psychiatry session and then uh we cut back to where hedwig does his dance and i love oh yes his dance he takes casey to his room and i love hedwig's dance <laughs> it's so good like <laughs> he, he gets on the ground trying to do one of those b-boy freezes too <laughs> and the whole time it's so hilarious casey is just staring like like afraid yeah. out of her mind just scared oh, completely man. shocked and she's still. just so stunned like yeah. she's just staring and like when I when I watched this, when the first time I watched this movie, I almost wanted to clap at the end of his dancing because I thought it was so good. I thought, Is this appropriate? Yeah, Can we do yeah. this? I wanted to clap because I thought he did such a good dancing. Like he's going to town on it. I think he's doing like the robot or something. Yeah, man. Like, Literally, Tom Cruise and and James McAvoy they need to have a dance off. Yeah, they need to do something about this. <laughs> oh man. So uh, Hedwig does his dance and then he talks about his CD player, you know, and. Uh, Casey's you know it's just funny how like Hedwig you know he's he seems like a nine-year-old and Casey immediately asks about the window she's like oh I thought you said he had a window in here I'm confused and then of course when he's like yeah it's right here and it's just like a picture of a window yeah. <laughs> he's like look it's closed now it's open he flips the picture and I was just he's, she's like oh my god and this is when she freaks out like the first yeah. time in the entire movie where she's just going all she gets out. physical yeah, yeah yeah she gets physical in the scene and it actually scares Hedwig. Yeah. And he's she's saying, no, no, show me something else cool. Stay with me. Just, I don't want to be here anymore. I want yeah. to get out of here. And it's, it's crazy because, like, it's now she's at that tipping point where she would rather go home to. It's make or break right now. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's that point where it's just building up and building up and building up. And now it's coming down. I think it's because she's by herself now, too, because the other girls are separated from her and mm. everything. And it's basically just her and, you know, James and, McAvoy. That's it. And also to have her hopes just dashed on the floor when she says when she finds out, oh, this window is not actually a window. It's a picture of a window. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a it's a crayon picture of a window. And so, <laughs> something only Hedwood can make. And so I'm um, pretty I'm pretty certain that in Sesame Street that would work, uh -huh. but not in the real world. Unfortunately not. So, <laughs> if only. But yeah, so um I like how Hedwig says like etc. Like he's just like etc. Like <laughs> you know, it's one of those big words that nine year olds learn. Like etc. Like <laughs> so, uh, you know, she says, oh, "Yeah, I do have something cool to show you." And then that's when Hedwig shows her the radio. And he's just like, "I stole it from Mister Dennis. He doesn't even know I have it." Yeah. And so, you know, he's like, "It's real, you know." And Casey grabs it and she holds on to it, and she's like, "Oh, I just want to check and see if it's real." And so he, uh, that's when Casey turns it on. 
and then yeah. she hears someone on the voice and then oh, everybody's yeah. just like don't talk don't say anything and he's just like <laughs> you know what I mean? it's like of course she's gonna say something like and so and it was at this moment where i thought oh my goodness girl you need a panic more you, yeah <laughs> you like, sound too calm <laughs> yeah and when she's talking to the guy in the radio she's like i've been kidnapped my name's casey you know she's talking about it yeah he's, he thinks it's a joke yeah and i'm just yeah. like who jokes about that yeah like, <laughs> and that's what i was thinking like if I heard that, yeah, maybe don't don't take that as a joke, but yeah. panic more, sell it more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Freak out a little bit more or something. But even if I was like the guy on the other end, I think call someone, call three one one. You know, yeah, have, yeah. Know, they'll they'll investigate it. If you think you got a tip or whatever, they'll investigate it. And so, <laughs> especially when he's trying to figign out what's going on, and then Dennis's character just shuts off the radio. Oh, like, yeah. what kind of what kind of guards? Like, oh, someone's yelling for help. Oh, they stopped. Ah, it was just a prank. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it was just my coworkers trying to get at me. So, yeah. <laughs> so turns it off, and then uh, that's when you know basically they grab her, and uh, Dennis tells her it's almost over. She gets put into the back into her room. Also, Hedwig tries to hit her with a bat. Oh, he should have. Yeah. Gr- she should have grabbed that bat, man. But <laughs> well, I she don't like know. hit him in the stomach, I think, with it. But yeah, yeah. Hedwig almost. <laughs> he just goes at her in the back. So. Uh, Casey's back in a room. That's when Dennis tells her, you know, it's almost over. The beast is basically coming soon. And so we have it where um, the beast is going to be coming soon. Casey's all alone. And then we have that flashback of, you know, the main childhood trauma that she has. Oh, yeah. And it's the, uh, of course, she's getting, you know, sexual abuse from her uncle. Yeah, man. And, and it's terrible. The it's... let's pretend to be animals thing. That's, yeah. yeah. And <sighs> uncomfortable watching Yeah, it. very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. Because, you know, people make jokes, oh, let's play doctor and stuff like that and yada, yada, yada. But when you when they're actually putting it up on screen and you can see it and knowing that there are people know what's going to happen. Yeah, you know what's going to happen. And there are people that experience that. Yeah, it's it it didn't make me feel great. You know, (laughs) it's very it's very hard to watch. Yeah, it's very hard to watch. There's a. just kind of off on a side note, there's this one movie called like Hard Candy. I don't know if you ever heard of it. It's I think with, I might have saw. Uh, what's her name? It's the girl who played Juno, um, Ellen oh, Page. Ellen okay. Page yes, and yes. the guy who plays, uh, he's in The Conjuring, uh, Patrick Wilson. Mm. And it's a movie, it's okay to watch. It's not bad, but it like circles around like pedophilia and everything. And it's just, I would never recommend that movie to anybody. And so, <laughs> just because it's so hard to watch. Yeah, and so, yeah. yeah, so we have the let's pretend to be animals scene, which anybody who's seen this movie, it's, yeah, it's uncomfortable. It's yeah. very uncomfortable to watch. And then he, yeah. he actually says, you know, come on, take off your clothes. Animals don't wear clothes. Uh, yeah, just... I know. And really just the look she gives is just like, you know, something's off on this or she's probably experienced it before. Yeah. And that's yeah. what she says. I'm going to tell, you know, the uncle's so I'm gonna tell your dad you're not being nice and so yeah it's real fucked up yeah, yeah. It, is. it is that's the best way I can explain it it's real fucked up mm-hmm. like <laughs> yeah so but we cue to another scene right after that where Casey has a shotgun pointed right at her uncle and yeah. we all want her to pull that trigger oh, yes. yeah we're all just oh, like yeah. just pull the trigger who cares if you're eight just do it it's fine like <laughs> and I thought, I, yeah, I definitely thought that she was going to pull the trigger and then that would have been like the twist or whatever, oh, that yeah. she gets away with with murder and she's actually criminally insane yeah. herself or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. Anything's better than that. So. <laughs> and it's reminiscent to Unbreakable with yeah. the whole gunshot or the gun scene. Yeah. And man, 
I I just wanted her. I just wanted her to blow him away. Yeah, man. I think we all want her. Yeah, we all want her to pull <laughs> the trigger on him. So, uh, but yeah, so we cue into where Doctor Fletcher. You know, she meets with Dennis at his place. She gets a uh, a bunch of emails from some of the other personalities that say, you know, like. I think they all say like we need help like ASAP. Yeah, and so and like, before just, like, a ton it was of emails. yeah, before it was just like one a night yeah. or whatever. Now it's like it's a all of it bunch because of them. the horde. Because this is where it kind of gets. Uh, this is where I got a little lost in the first time I watched it, but the second time I got it, where the horde is Dennis, Patricia, and Hedwig. Hedwig yeah, and they are the ones that like believe in the beast and everything. Yes, and then you have the rest of them that aren't a part of the horde, and so they probably don't know exactly how serious the situation is getting but you know they all live in the same body and so <laughs> so when uh dr fletcher meets with dennis at his place um that's when they go into their they go into the room and they're talking and that's when you know dennis says you know he had talked before that he had never you know he lied to dr fletcher that he never met the beast and that he actually did meet the beast uh once before Mm-hmm. And as they're talking, you know, Dr. Fletcher thinks that this 24th identity, the beast, it might have, you know, came about because he works at a zoo and he works with animals. And yeah, you don't know yeah. that until the very end, but it's hinted at she thinks because he works in this place that that might be why this 24th identity, you know, came to pass is the beast. So he talks to Dr. Fletcher about how he's met the beast and it's just kind of him. You know, the horde are the ones that represent the beast basically and he talks about how the beast is like he says it's a sentient creature that represents the highest form of like evolution Hmm. and he talks about how it's bigger than him and apparently dennis dennis is the biggest of them all and that it's tall it's and it's large it's muscular and its fingers are like twice the length of ours so of course he's talking to dr fletcher and she's just you know trying to kind of make sense of it at its best and when uh Dr. Fletcher kind of makes up that excuse, you know, to go use the bathroom. And yeah. she said she wants to continue this session, you know, you know, later on because she wants to take notes because she's finding out more about this identity for this 24th personality. And actually earlier in the in the movie, she's giving some characteristics herself about how he can like the beast can shear a wall that's virtually has no handholds and yeah. stuff like that and giving other descriptions. I was reading it up. The descriptions that that both of them give are apparently supposed to be that that the villain from one of the comic books uh, from the movie Unbreakable, yeah, like, describing how they look and stuff like that. It's not completely one to one, but he does talk about having like a hair mane or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, being very villain descriptive. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. with those specific physical traits. So, yes, yes, yeah. So I mean, basically, where you know, already Doctor Fletcher, she's concerned because you know. Dennis is talking about the the beast and that he's met him before and that, you know, the horde are firm believers of the beast. And apparently, because I guess she's heard from the other personalities where the beast apparently eats the impure young. And yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so she's already immediately concerned. And that's why she, you know, makes up the excuse that she wants to continue the session, you know, the next day so she can take notes on it. And Dennis is kind of relieved to hear that, that someone believes in them and someone believes in the beast, because I feel like that's the main core of this. It's usually based off like some sort of belief system. And that's when she puts also the handkerchief. Yeah, the handkerchief. Yeah. Into the lock of the door. Yeah. So she puts that handkerchief in the lock of the door and she starts walking down and trying to find or, you know, supposedly trying to find the bathroom. Yeah. And then that's when she finds Claire. And just that look on her face where she just looks almost heartbroken to see that she knows that her probably her last you know client or her last patient that has did is going to be put away because you know now you know of course she has to tell someone if she can 
Yeah, and, and so. Claire is just on the ground, like biding her time. Yeah, she looks. I don't up. think she's eaten. I don't yeah, think she, yeah, and she asks, "Are you real?" So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she's a. <laughs> so. Dennis finds uh, Dr. Fletcher and then sprays her with that, whatever the spray thing is. <laughs> mm. So Dr. sprays her with whatever the spray thing is, you know, and of course, you know, carries her to, I think, the couch and back into his room. And that's when... Uh, yeah, and, and throughout this, they're not doing... <laughs> I was going to say they're not doing anything villainous. They are. But uh-huh. they're not trying to do more than what is required of them. He doesn't want to hurt the doctor. No, he do, They don't want to hurt the girls, except for the sacrifice yeah. for the beast. Not they don't do anything, or no one dies until the beast actually comes. Right. Which it, it's it's kind of crazy to think that they're doing these things because they believe that it's necessary for them to do it. Yeah. That they have to do it so that the beast can come and that Kevin will be protected and everyone will yeah. be protected because this new higher evolution chain creature yeah. is here. And I guess the ultimate form of protection for them is like the beast. Yeah. And yeah, and I guess that is what really nice about it is all the personalities, all they want to do is protect Kevin. Yeah. And it's funny how like throughout this, you know, until the very end, we don't even meet Kevin. Yeah, all the other personalities. Yeah. <laughs> we only meet Kevin, the you know, who's the actual you know main body of this person, the the only, oh, well, I guess, the main personality. And that was know, a crazy scene for in a itself. couple. Of, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, so anyways, Casey and uh, Random Girl Number Three, Marsha, <laughs> they uh, they try to escape. So they're trying to escape. They're trying to use like the a coat wire to kind of undo the uh, the lock on the outside of the door. Yeah. And Dennis leaves to. Uh, basically go down to the train station so he goes down to the train station and then that's when patricia forms they get flowers and they leave it at the train because that's where dennis's father sorry kevin's father that's when he last saw his father before he left was on the train Hmm. and so they go to the train and then we have where casey finds a, a video so she's in some room, I can't remember exactly how yeah. she gets there, but she she's able. To, she finds a a nail on the ground, and she's able to pick the lock of the right. room that she's in. But in that second room, it's the door is also locked. Yeah, but that's the changing area and the living space for Kevin. Yeah, for Kevin and all his other personalities. And so she finds the videos of. Also, yeah, I, that's it. I have here, and I put an asterisk around uh-huh. it because this is the point where. Um, all the close-up shots of the face, like all of them, it, like it, I think they, uh, like it has a good con- transition and it fades from these close-up shots of these different characters, and it's just like that's great cinematography. Oh, I just yeah. really like the transition into these shots of these highly expressive faces of of uh, James McAvoy's character and the girls and the doctor mm-hmm. and all that. It's just really nicely done. Oh, yeah. Especially during that video because you see how distinct each of their personalities yes, yes. are because they each keep like a video diary. So they each have a video diary on their com- on the computer and whenever they take the light, that's when they record like their message and things like that. I guess it's part of like their therapy. Yeah, yeah. So that way everyone feels like they have a voice. And so that's when you find out like some of Kevin's personalities, like one of them's diabetic. And so he actually has to take insulin. And so <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's when crazy. he said, yeah, so that's when he says, you know, most people don't believe we even exist. You know, they don't believe that any of these personalities exist. They just think Kevin's crazy. Then he's like, then why is it that I have to take, you know, my insulin shots and no <laughs> one else does? And so <laughs> and uh, I'll also say, for any of you out there that are looking to get into acting or do voices or impressions and stuff, 
I do this actually. I record myself with doing different affectations and different characters and stuff to try to get better at them. Uh-huh. Hey, that's really cool. Honestly, those are those aren't the personalities. That's James McAvoy practicing characters. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> He'll just reuse those characters in later movies. There. You- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, Casey's watching the video journals and then we have it where the beast comes out where Patricia goes onto the train and the beast emerges and you don't really get a look at it first. Um, I think you see its veins. You see oh, how yeah. yeah, he's so veiny. Like <laughs> Oh yeah, man. Totally vascular. <laughs> yeah, just so veiny and just like, yeah. And so he's flexing, straight flexing. And so he uh, runs out and he's running back to, you know, where the impure are because he eats the impure young the beast does. And so... He's running out, you know, there's police dogs that are freaking out saying, you know, they only, you know, oh, that's, uh, they only freak out when there's a coyote around. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, it's just James McAvoy, you know, being a beast and (laughs) doing his thing. So anyways, uh, they're out there, you know, Casey finds Barry's journal log and Barry's talking about how he thinks, you know, he's losing the light and someone's taking the light from him. And he's not sure who it is. And he doesn't tell the doctor, Dr. Fletcher, because she doesn't, he doesn't want her to worry. And so that's when she finds out that, you know, Barry left the keys on a specific hook underneath (laughs) some stuff. And then she finds the keys. She's able to get out. And as Dr. Fletcher wakes up, she scribbles something, you know, on one of the papers on there that says, you know, say his name, Kevin Wendell Crump. Yeah, yeah. We find out she has that power, you know, part of, I guess, psychology, where if she says his full name, it brings Kevin back into the light. You know, Kevin's the main body. And And this is the point in the movie where... I don't want to say it got very predictable, but these are the things that when I was sitting with my wife, I'm saying she's writing down how he's going to bring Kevin out. The knife is going to break when she tries to stab her. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it was just a lot of the tropes yeah. that you're like, oh, this is going to happen. You see it This happening. is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she writes down Kevin Wendell Crumb. You know, she has the knife. And she tries to say it to him when the beast comes in. You know, you just see his vascular innocence. (laughs) But she's all weak because of the chloroform or whatever that mystery spray is. She's just old. So (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, she she tries to say something. It doesn't work. And then the beast just grabs her and... Is just squeezing her. She tries to stab him. That's when the knife just breaks. Yeah. You know, his skin is apparently as tough as like a rhinoceros or something. And so. And, and I have to say, she must have stabbed really hard yeah, for the knife, knife to, to break. break. Yeah. So maybe that doctor has superhuman strength as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work out for her. So, so she ends up dying because, you know, uh, what's his name? Why did I forget it? Uh, the beast. There you go. The main one. And so <laughs> the beast ends up crushing her to death. And so he just does that whole. Yeah. And that's a yeah. terrible way to die, man. Yeah. I don't know. It just like snaps her spine. All you hear is just the crushing. And yeah. So, <laughs> so you have it where Dr. Fletcher dies and um, you have Casey who comes in there and she just sees, you know, the beast is climbing up on the walls. Oh, yeah. you know, even before that, she yeah. finds her friends. No, and so isn't the beast climbing up in the wall for the doctor? Or no, no, no. That that's... I think it was climbing up the wall for the doctor. No, no. I have it. I have it written afterwards. No, uh, Casey comes into the room and then she finds the doctor dead on the ground. And then oh, what is that? The monster starts climbing up. Yeah, on the walls. Yes. I know Casey. She walks in on. Uh, you know, of course, the beast is eating her friends. Yes, and so yes. which I feel like is a crazy scene. Where he's actually he's actually eating them. Yeah, yeah. He's eating some crazy. sort of organ in them. And he's like 
she's wasting all that food like yeah marcia her whole body she just has like a little that that's one thing the wounds look terrible yeah they, they look it's great and i think that's why like it also works if you took out like yeah the the superhero aspect of it and this is just a story about a crazy guy yeah. it'd still be really good because you have you know this guy with multiple personality disorder and one of them's called the bees and it just eats these two girls. You know what I mean? Like, he's not like he's any... If you took out that superior element and he's just a really crazy guy, you know, and he just eats people, yeah, it's but still insane. And He's, he's wasting Marsha. There was so much meat left on Marsha that he I didn't know. touch. And then when Casey comes in the room and then she sees Claire get pulled back... The first thing that she should do is just book it. Yeah. But she decides to go deeper into the into the room so that she can see the beast. Yeah, so she sees the beast. Yeah, it's just eating her. And that's crazy. And yeah, so man. uh so anyways, she she gets out there, she locks him in there, and I think that's when she discovers Dr. Fletcher's body. Yeah. And then she sees the note on there that says, Say his name, Kevin Wendell Crumb. Yeah. And, and when he's climbing on that wall, man, it's crazy. It is. Like <laughs> it is pretty crazy. He's just climbing up there. Yeah. Just freestyling it. And so uh so Kate so the beast is coming at her, and that's when Casey says the name, you know, his name, Kevin Wendell Crumb. And so then we get the flashback of the abuse that Kevin had, you know, with his mother. Yeah. And, yeah. and so with his mother and then Kevin comes out and then that's when he asks, you know, you know, he sees Dr. Fletcher's dead on the floor and he asks who does who did that. And then that's when Casey says you and he's like, what? He's like, that wasn't me. All I remember is being on a train. And is it still, you know, September 18, 2014? Yeah. And of course, this place takes place in real time in 2016. So he hasn't been in control of his own body for, you know, over two years. A really long time, yeah. And so it's kind of crazy when he, you know, when you actually finally meet Kevin and he has no idea what's going on because yeah, he man. hasn't been in control in so long. And so he's really confused. And that's when he tells Casey, you know, to kind of grab the shotgun. You know, he tells her where the shotgun is, where the bullets are. And you know, and she he tells her that's to kill him. Like <laughs> it's a crazy scene. Yeah. And literally him processing everything. Yeah. He knows who the doctor is. Like, yeah. you know, he refers to her by name. So he's just trying to process everything that's going on and he realizes this is it. I yeah. have to die. What's I have point? to die. Yeah. yeah. There's a shotgun there. Get the shotgun shells. Kill me. Yeah. And then she goes, she starts doing it. And then I thought that Kevin changes his mind and and is trying to stop her. But it's the other personality. Yeah, I think it's Jade comes out. Yeah. We meet another person. We meet a couple other personalities. So yeah. Jade comes out. Immediately, as he tells him, you know, just kill me. All the other personalities come out to try to stop her. Yeah. You know, try to stop her. No, no, no. It's not us. We don't represent the horde. I think it's Jade, uh, one of the professor, uh, one of the one of the, a bunch of other personalities. Yeah, yeah, come out. like a German accent guy yeah. or whatever, and I don't yeah. know, it's all over the it's place. A, yeah, you can tell they're different from each other. And then you have where Barry finally comes out. Yeah, and so he holds onto the light to try to get everybody to calm down, and that's when Hedwig takes over again. And mm. it's kind of creepy when Hedwig takes over. Yeah, and man. then of course then Patricia comes, then eventually comes the Beast, and we get a flashback of. Um, of Casey as her childhood and how uncle John takes, you know, her uncle takes care of her, you know, because her father ends up dying from a heart attack. Yeah. So we learned that, you know, her uncle ends up getting full custody of Casey. And so, and honestly, the, I think that was the red herring twist in, in when they removed, when they showed the movie for the early 
audiences uh-huh. and stuff like that. They were expecting a twist, and then the twist is that Casey actually now lives with the uncle that's abusing her. Oh, okay. Yeah, this this was the first minor twist. That's then, a weird twist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but it's a it's it's very there's that shock value is there, you yeah. know. It, it's now she one, has to live with this person. Exactly. Yeah. It's that one thing where, okay, this person is abusing her, but she still is living with her family and yeah. her home and stuff. She has her dad, her mom and stuff, and they're taking care of her. And if she does see her uncle, it's very limited. Yeah. But this, it it, it brings to it brings forth the shock value of, oh, no, it's her 24 hour, it's her 24 yeah. seven that she is dealing with this. That's why she doesn't want to go night. home. Yeah. yeah. That's why she doesn't want to go home. That's why she's such, she wants to be alone and stay in detention and all that jazz. Yeah. She does not want to go with her uncle. So we get that flashback and then we have it where it's basically the beast versus Casey. And so Casey's able to get, she gets the gun, she gets the shotgun shells and the beast is going after her. She's trying to shoot it off. He ends up tearing off her shirt or at least the first oh, layer of her shirt. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, she ends up like in that cage. And so when she's in that cage, she shoots at the beast. She shoots at him twice. Yeah. And so when she shoots at him twice, you see him get hit and he gets shot, like I think in the chest and the side and just, it hits him, but it doesn't bring him down. And it doesn't even like, you know, it doesn't even look like it penetrates. It looks like it just bounces off. But yeah. It makes it all red. And it's, it's crazy as she's, as this chasing is going on, she's trying to load a shotgun. Yeah. And, I don't know about you, man. I don't know if I would be able to be like in a panic and trying to load a shotgun. That sounds too complicated for me. She even drops all the shells and then she gets attacked uh-huh. that first time where her shirt gets ripped and then she gets bit on her calf. Oh, area. yeah. She does get bit on her calf. Yeah, oh, man. yeah. I completely forgot about that part. And so, <laughs> yeah, the part where he eats people. And yeah. so, <laughs> so, as she's in there, you know, she, she shoots him off twice. He bends the bars in front of her. So he bends the bars in front of her, and that's when he sees all the scars she has. Yeah. You know, sees all the scars, looks like cigarette scars, you know, someone putting out cigarettes on her and everything, and just a ton of cuts. And then that's when, you know, the bee says, you know, you are you are pure. You're pure of heart. You're broken. Because apparently even the horde, they obsess about, you know, people who haven't suffered. And so even when the beast is chasing her, you know, he keeps on talking about those who have not been torn have no value and they're asleep. He refers to them as asleep, these yeah. people who have been sheltered. And when he finds out that, you know, what she is, how she is, you know, abused and has suffered that trauma, that, you know, the broken are more evolved. And it's almost kind of funny how the beast seems like, you know, almost biblical at this point, mm. you know, because the horde has such a belief system for him, but also just how he talks in general it seems like it just almost seems like this biblical creature yeah and, and so, it's and it's a again a totally different personality from all the other characters yeah. this is his own ideas that he's speaking out right and that scene where she's at the the end of the hallway she has her shotgun she's freaking out and the beast is literally jumping around, climbing on the ceiling, smashing the lights. Yeah. Such a good she- scene. And it's really building up this this creepy atmosphere. And he's hiding in the shadows, yelling all these biblical-like verses right. to her. Yeah, it's just really building the tension. And, and then he actually has like that that animal grunt when he yeah. breathes too. And yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so we have it where Casey's found out and then once the beast finds out exactly what she is, he lets her go. He just leaves. Yeah. And so the beast just walks out 
And then we have it where Casey is down there. And then when the morning time comes, one of the workers finds her and then drags, you know, walks her out. And then that's when you see that they've been in a zoo this whole entire time. When you when you told me that Bruce Willis makes a cameo in this movie, I was I was looking for him the whole time. Oh, (laughs) and I thought that the guard that finds Casey inside of the cage was Bruce Willis. And Ah. I said, oh, it's Bruce Willis. And then my wife was saying, man, Bruce Willis got fat. (laughs) But obviously it wasn't. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't Bruce Willis that time. So so um they find her, they bring her out, and I think it's funny how she passes by that sec- the other security yeah. guard who was on the phone. He's just like, oh. And it's like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> And I literally said, this freaking guy. Yeah, yeah. As soon as he sees it, he's just like, oh, shit. And so... <laughs> that guy needs to lose his job. Yeah, he probably got fired, so... <laughs> I put I put freaking guy at the guard post. And he's his got the red headphones, stupid too. Face. Yeah. Like, <laughs> his stupid face. He's just like, oh. And so someone messed up. <laughs> So anyways, she's um, she's in the cop car and as she's in the cop car, you know, they're doing a whole report scene and, you know, they find out they, you know, she tells them that there's a dead doctor in there and there's two other girls in there too. She's the only survivor and she's in the back of the car and that's when the, one of the officer comes to her and says, your uncle is here. Yeah. And then it's just that lingering shot where it just stares at her and she just stares kind of like, it's just, it's staring at Casey and then she's just staring back at the officer. Yeah. Kind of like this moment of, do I even want to go back? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so again, one frying pan to the other. And yeah. so what was really worse this whole time, you know? And, and it's not a happy ending. It's very, like, it's very disturbing. It's left ambiguous as far as like kind of what exactly happens. Yeah. All you get is that that stare showdown. And second time watching it, I feel like the officer kind of had a feeling there was something more. Yeah. Yeah. You I, know, I going, got that you as know, well. The female officer had an idea that there was something more going on because she wasn't jumping to go run with her guardian or anything after this traumatic experience. She just sat there in that car and thought about it for a hot second. And yeah. so, <laughs> but at the same time, it's, 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 as you said, jumping from one firing, frying plan to the next, it's to be in that situation. And then knowing that, you're not safe at home. Yeah. You're going back into something that's going to be just as just worse. terrible. Yeah. 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 Just as worse. So, I mean, we had that. And then afterwards we queue into the horde where it's, you know, Dennis, Patricia and Hedwig. And I like that scene when they're, they're fixing themselves up and you got one mirror looking at them and then another mirror where they're talking to each other. You have Dennis, Patricia. And yes. Hedwig. They're all having a conversation. Good shot. Yeah. yeah very they're all good taking shot. the light and having a conversation. And so, you know, that's when they talk. They're going to believe in us now. You know, they're going to believe who we are and everything like that. And so, and they're even talking before how they want to get this time, you know, 10 or 12 more, you know, impure souls, you know, impure people for them, for the beast to have. And so we leave off with the horde and then eventually we cut down to, I think it's in a bar or a diner when they're talking. Yeah. yeah. They're talking about this whole case and how. Yeah, it's on the TV. Yeah. It's on the news when they're talking about, you know, this uh, Kevin Wendell Crumb, you know, had DID, different, you know, different multiple multiple personality disorder and how he was responsible with all this stuff. And apparently one of them is called, you know, they're called the Horde. That's what they're nicknaming him. And then you have one girl is just like, wasn't that like a crazy guy that happened like 15 years ago? Yeah. What was his name? They gave him a really weird name, too. And then you see David Dunner, Bruce Willis. She's just like, it was Mr. Glass. And so. <laughs> yeah. And immediately after he says that, 
the girl just walks away as if she didn't she didn't hear him or yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was really rude <laughs> that, that, that she asked that question. She gets the answer and then she just leaves. He just, he just chokes her out right then and there. So. <laughs> so and then that's the movie split. And yeah, man, that was the big thing. I guess the big, you know, well, the main the main twist is that this was connected to, you know, the unbreakable. And I feel like with that, it works. I yeah. Feel like when you add the unbreakable element, like we talked before, it makes the movie work a little bit better because it has that foundation from before. And I felt like if you took out the superhero element of it and you took out and you just made it about a crazy guy, I think it would still work just mm. because you have James McAvoy, who's a very compelling character, you know, who plays this very compelling character. Oh, yeah, yeah. And even Casey, you know, uh, and Taylor Joy, whatever her name is. They both make very compelling characters, and they just make the movie work. So. Yeah, and they both did an amazing job yeah. as actors. I I will say that I feel like the main character wasn't so much Casey, but more of Kevin. Yeah, that definitely that right there. He was the main actor. He wasn't the protagonist or whatever. Yeah. The protagonist was, was Casey, but he was the main role. And just highlighting these different personalities, it's, it's right. really crazy. Um, one quick thing, you know, to keep the secret of, of it not being unbreakable, that it being tied with Unbreakable in that uh -huh. same universe, they didn't credit they didn't credit uh, Bruce, Bruce Willis, Willis. yeah, oh, okay. in the in the credits. And then I thought it was really cool, also that you know, just the subtle things that they have the credits scrolling by at the end, uh -huh. but it's it's twenty four, twenty four different um, like oh, things. Oh yeah, and it's supposed to be for each for of each the of its personalities. personalities. Yeah. yeah, man. And I like how at the end with the horde when they're uh, they're getting done talking to her, they're talking about how like badass they are, or the headwoods talking about how badass it is. Yeah, the beast is and. Uh, when you cue into that music, it's the it's the unbreakable music. It's a score from Unbreakable. Yeah, when you cue you're that right. in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, <laughs> and that's when it's like, oh man. And so, but it ties the movie together. It gives a nice good little bow on the end. But yeah, that's the movie split right there. Yeah, man. Um, I know we just spoiled the whole movie, but if you haven't seen it, I think it's still good just to see it, just specifically for like James McAvoy's performance in it, which yes. is really good. Which I, is, yeah. I completely agree. I put it up pretty high. Like I, I liked it a lot more than I liked Unbreakable. In I think same here too as yeah. well. So I mean, I just like the dance scene that Edward does. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, man, it's so good. More yeah, dance it's really scene. good. I, I would give it like around the eighties. Uh -huh. Like definitely, I think I think it was that good. And Maybe. even now, like looking back on it fondly, I, I want to watch it again. Yeah, I would watch it again too. I would even see a spin-off movie where it's just Hedwig, you know, entering the <laughs> dance competitions, and he's just. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They have to save the the rec center from being bulldozed by this rich philanthropist. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and then Tom Cruise's character from Tropic Thunder comes in, and he's heading up the rival dance crew. <laughs> there you go. I just want to see him dance. I just want <laughs> the dance off. So. Oh man. But yeah, so that's the movie split right there. Um, as far as like scores go i mean i'd give it around like an eight out of ten so mm, yeah i don't know I about agree. yeah i don't know about like a perfect nine just because i feel like it does have that balance of issue of and same as unbreakable as you know how grounded do we want to be yeah yeah and how like kind of supernatural how you know fantastical we want to be and i feel like they do a good job meeting in the middle but i still think there's just a little bit of balance issues that might need to be worked out but 
other than that, I really liked it right there. Did you want to give it like a rating or anything? Or like I said, I, I agree with you. I would give it if it's a scale out of the like one to hundred, I'd give it an eighties. If it's yeah. one to ten, I'd give it around an eight. Around, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to bring up. I saw that they're going to be doing a reality show about a woman with DID. Also, I I don't know what what network it's going to be on, but this woman is dealing with nine different personalities, and she got fairly famous on the internet. She would tell her story and and Uh and videotape herself with these different personalities, and then a uh, one of the networks reached out to her and they're going to be doing a reality show about her life i don't know how it's going to portray that uh-huh. mental disorder or anything like that but i don't know i thought it was just interesting that after i watched split now i see that they're going to be doing this so i don't know there you go for interesting so <laughs> Reality shows are uh, are fun, so I don't really watch many reality shows. <laughs> Neither <but. laughs> do I. I. Like in all honesty, I think reality shows are the ga- the garbage of television. <laughs> but you know, it's bringing. I, I I don't know how they're going to portray this disorder. Are they going to like you know, make, put a positive spin on it, a negative spin? On it? I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. And with reality TV shows, they always make the the people pretty bad. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, it could go either way. So uh, it reminds me of, uh, I think I already told you the story where it was with Malachi, who was on for Jeepers Creepers, mm. where apparently one of his uh, co-workers at the time, um, he was dating uh, one of the girls from like Little People Big World or yes, something. Yes, yes, I remember it was, uh, it was some rea- It was some Las Vegas, you know, reality TV show about, you know, people with dwarfism. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he was apparently dating this girl and apparently part of those reality shows, they sign a contract where it's like an NDA and you can't disclose almost anything. Mm. And so I guess, you know, one of these, these little people, the girl he was dating, she got pregnant. And so she wasn't even allowed to tell him because she had signed that NDA wow, and he had man. to find out because <laughs> he was watching the show and that's when it kind of debuted, uh, you know, was in the show. And so <laughs> it's the best way to find out. That's some Maury stuff right there. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> man. So, so yeah, uh, that's pretty much it for Split. Unless there's anything else you want to add, I think we'll go into pretty much recommendations right now. Um I would recommend Glass. I saw it over the weekend, like I said. Um, it's definitely worth it for just, you know, James McAvoy's character. Um, it's getting some mixed reviews. I still think I would give it a good solid B. Um, there are certain parts of it. No, without, I don't want to get into any spoilers because Brian hasn't seen it. There are certain parts of it I really like. Certain parts I have issues with, but I would still give it a B. I think it's worth to watch just because, you know, this is an original piece of, you know, movie you know this isn't a franchise thing that's part of like, yeah, you know, yeah. dc or Marvel. all from the mind of m night Shyamalan. yeah exactly this is just an original kind of piece of movie and yeah it's from you know unbreakable and it's from split but you know those are you know somewhat original movies that have come out you know um so that's something i would definitely recommend you know and i would still give it a good solid beat hmm. um well other- i'm looking forward to it i i will say after Literally after I watched Split, I wanted to see the trailer for Glass, and it looks great. Oh, it looks yeah. really good. I feel maybe it's just because I watched the first two in succession. You need it, a little bit of breathing room. Yeah, yeah, it, time. yeah. It does. It, it ties it so well. Everything is still fresh in my mind. Yeah. So I'm like, oh yeah, that's gonna be great. So it looked very interesting to me. I'm excited about it. I'm more than likely gonna watch it this week. There we go. Yeah. yeah. So maybe we'll do glass next week. We'll see. I don't want to put anything in stone because sometimes, <laughs> you know, what I mean, things change. You know, so 
Ryan works, I got school full time. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. And but, with me watching the first two movies, how am I not gonna watch the final movie? That's true. I mean, it just came out too. So, but other recommendations I have. Um, I've already seen this movie before, but I showed my girlfriend it for the first time. The Flashpoint Paradox. Have you ever seen that one? No, I have not. But I <sighs> did read the comic. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I never read that comic, but. Flashpoint Paradox, and then there was Suicide Squad, Hell to Pay. Mm, and so uh, Suicide Squad, Hell to Pay is on Hulu, and then the Flashpoint Paradox, it's that's part, you know, the new 52s, I'm sure everybody you know, yeah, knows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, those of you who don't know, the new 52 is just kind of like a reboot for comics for, I guess you could say, like, you know, the same characters but they and everything, re- different storylines. They but, rebooted it again after the new 52, yeah, right? They, ha- they know, did the rebirth, was it? Yeah. Is even it- if they stopped making comic books today and I had all the time in the world to read them and catch up, I still wouldn't be able to. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, it's just, oh, yeah, it's just there's so much out there. But <laughs> <laughs> but the movie is really good, the Flashpoint Paradox and even Suicide Squad Hell to Pay. Mm. Um, I don't know if they mess with, uh, do they show, what's his name, Zoom in Flashpoint or... Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, they did. Yeah, so Zoom's in there. It's pretty good. And, uh, but yeah, so I mean, that's pretty much all I have for recommendations. Is there anything you're reading or watching you want to recommend? Um, I have been playing a lot of Minecraft. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys are into that. I haven't played for years now. But I've then... never played Minecraft before, I don't think. It's a lot of fun, man. I'm not I'm not a video game person. That's the really? thing. I don't play video well, games. Well, you and your every... brother you and your brother are not video game people, but your brother got really into minecraft i literally <laughs> this is this is years ago i made uh-huh. a server and and me and him and a whole bunch of our other friends we jumped onto the server and all that stuff uh-huh. was, we made a whole village and stuff it was really cool and then i just stopped playing it and then I, and then my brother's still playing you just <laughs> i don't know if your brother's still playing if he's still playing then i i need someone else to play with <laughs> but right now i'm just uh, by myself clicking away at blocks <laughs> it's fun I, in all honesty it's fun and if you're gonna judge me i don't care i'm having fun <laughs> there you go i mean the last video game that came out that almost made me buy like a system was uh star wars battlefront 2 mm. when or star hey, wars battlefront when it came out but then i heard it's about not bad it's not I heard bad about all the microtransactions yeah and but you, you can just, still enjoy it i don't know i'll think about it so. the, the latest spider-man game is really oh, good i heard man. that one's so good it's really good so i i put it out there i don't know if you got a ps4 or anything i just like have that. a ps3 i could get a ps4 I guess, so. <laughs> <laughs> but i don't want to get in just have one game yeah no I maybe, maybe in the summer when i'm not doing as many classes because <laughs> if i get that now it's over oh like, yeah yeah, I might as well not go to any of my classes. So. But yeah, so is there anything else you're reading or watching or games you recommend? I Actually, I listened to the Jeepers Creepers episode that you did, um, and it made me want to watch Daredevil, the, sec- the third season. I watched the second season. The best part of that of the second season was, was The Punisher. Oh, yeah. Best Hands part. Down. And then it kind of, honestly, it kind of went down after... The Punisher kind of left that season, uh-huh. but still, uh, uh, like I really liked Daredevil season one, and so and you you gave it high praise for the third season. I so. really liked that. There's I don't know, I was sick at the time, yeah, and I couldn't even talk, and like that was just the perfect time to watch all of Daredevil season <laughs> three, and so it was just, and I haven't really felt that in a long time where you know I'm watching a show and I'm just like okay. It's all available. I'm going to watch all of it tonight. You know, I haven't done that in a long time. And so 
it's really good. It's unfortunate that it got canceled, mm, and yeah, apparently yeah. part of like the closing out deal was, uh, you know, these actors, you know, they can't use these characters for like two years, apparently. Wow. And so yeah, so that kind of sucks because I feel like Charlie Cox, uh, who played Daredevil, Matt Murdock, did a really good yeah, job. Yeah, man, I agree. Yeah. And he's from the movie Stardust. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I saw that in theaters too. And so, <laughs> did you did you watch Punisher? I saw the first season. I haven't seen the second season. Okay. So, I mean, with those Netflix, I mean, they're all probably getting canceled. The only ones that haven't gotten canceled is Punisher and Jessica Jones, hmm. but I'm pretty sure those are getting canceled. Um, was the second season with Jigsaw? Or it, cause... He was he was kind of in the first season. Jigsaw was Billy, whatever his yeah, name is. Yeah, but Billy Butte. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but he's, I guess he's the main villain. He's the main baddie in the second season. Oh, okay. So, all right. All right. Yeah. Then I mean, I'm behind because I just saw the trailer maybe a month ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, oh, what? They have a second season of The Punisher? Yeah. Shoot. <laughs> I mean, as far as like those Netflix um, Marvel shows go, I really liked the first season of Jessica Jones. I tried watching the second season, couldn't even finish it because mm. it's just, there's just something about it that I kind of fell out of. Yeah, I, I, it's, I, I feel it's so much of an overload. Like yeah. going from, I don't know, maybe I'm just binge watching it. Maybe I should watch it just week to week. <laughs> but it's 2019. Who wants to do that anymore? <laughs> <laughs> but each, it, I think. I think the Marvel, the Netflix Marvel shows uh-huh. are really the the prime suspect to why I don't want to devote so much of my time to like a movie or a, or a TV series just because each episode is an hour long and yeah. then one season could be 24 episodes yeah. or whatever. So I'm looking at when you look at it on a screen, you uh-huh. see 24 episodes. That's an entire day. That's one whole calendar day. Do I uh-huh. really want to do that or do I want to edit a podcast? <laughs> I mean, with those shows, like, they're, they're 13 episodes per season, all of them. And I think they could easily cut it down to, like, 8 or a solid 10. Hmm. And I feel like it would make it run better and it'd be a, it'd be a smooth transition for, like, you know, for those shows. Yeah. Of course, we'll never get them again. You know what I mean? At least, <laughs> at least until Disney puts something out and hopefully they keep Charlie Cox on there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. I remember there was a couple of times I tried to watch all of the X-Files in order. Oh, man, that's impossible <laughs> because there are like 24, 25, 28 episode seasons. They're each yeah, an hour man. long. And there's 11 seasons. That's oh, so man. much TV. <laughs> and so um, I really like the X-Files. I always thought about doing something on the show with the X-Files. Um, if you guys have a suggestion for the X-Files, just let me know. <laughs> you can send us an email. But yeah, like it's just I just watch them out of order because I'm like, I can't do it all together. It's just that's so much TV. Like, <laughs> the episode, uh, I just one episode of, of the X-Files that always sticks out in my mind. It was the episode that got that got removed from air and then they would only play it one time a year oh, on home. Halloween. Is that what it? Oh, I yeah. think it might be home. That was one that I think received the MPA rating or something. The, yeah, the yeah. It one. was supposed to be like an inbred house. Yep, that's family. home. Yeah. That's season four, season five, episode one. That's oh, home. yeah, man. That's a good one. So. It's a good one, but it's been cemented in my mind. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty brutal. Too. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. It's pretty brutal. So that one's good. Uh, there's Humbug from season two. That's the carnival one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I yeah, do remember, I remember that, that one. one. I remember also the episode where it's, I think, an, an, a couple of demons are meeting together and having coffee with one another. And they're talking about how they've affected different people's lives. 
I don't think I've seen that. Okay, one. never mind. I'll have to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm. Maybe it's not even uh, X Files. Maybe it's like Beyond Belief or no, or, really? <laughs> or Night Gallery oh, or something God, like that. Beyond Belief. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the latest season from X Files is pretty good too. Oh yeah. Um, they're they're shorter seasons. They're like I think eight and ten episodes. Okay. Uh, right. But there's the Lost Art of the Forehead Sweat. That's probably one of the best X Files episodes out there. But that's an awesome name. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really good. Everything about the X Files is in that. So, anyways, I think that's pretty much it, guys. Do you have anything you want to add on, Ryan? Um, hey, if you like hearing my voice and if you want to uh, check out some fantasy D and D actions, go check out Dragon Questicles. You can find us on iTunes or in, wherever you get podcasts. There you go. Yeah, check out Ryan. Uh, if you want to reach us, you know, if you want to send us a question that you might have. Oh, speaking of, I almost skipped over something. What's up? We actually got an email. Oh, from, great. yeah, we actually got an email. So <laughs> let me kind of read it out real quick. This is from Manuel. So with so many superhero movies coming out and Ben Affleck possibly leaving the DCEU, which Batman adaptation would you like to see before he leaves? Hmm. For me, it'd be Under the Red Hood. Okay. Yeah. All right. For me, it'd be because I don't know if you've ever seen the animated version of it. or I read the comics. Yeah. <laughs> the the anim- If you haven't seen the animated version of it, I have it at the house, but it has like a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. It's really good. That's that's something I would like to see, you know, make Jared Lotus Joker like Tim Drake and bring back Jason Todd. Okay. And, All right. Yeah, so- <laughs> I'm going to have to go with... Batman Beyond. <laughs> oh, there we go. That'd be nice. So. Yeah, man. Where he be, his, he's this mentor to someone that's trying to become Batman of the distant future. So I think that would be interesting. You know what you could do? You could take like an existing Batman, like uh, Michael Keaton, or like, <laughs> if you want to be funny, George Clooney, yeah. and you make him the mentor, <laughs> and then you bring, you know, you bring someone, yeah, to Terry yeah. McGinnis. Interesting, and so, yeah, yeah. Preferably George Clooney, and then you see, like, the nipple suit. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do, like, a little homage as they're walking through the Bat Cave. They have the different suits from era to era, and then, you know, Terry McGinnis just does a slight comment i'll try Bat this nipples. one on it sees nipples on it he's george clooney's like no we don't talk about that one <laughs> apparently george clooney said that if you had a movie ticket for batman beat or whatever batman movie he did i think it was forever yeah batman if you had a movie ticket from it and you showed him it he would refund you your money personally oh, shoot yeah really? Man. <laughs> hey it wasn't bad shoot i like batman forever i can watch it again so. <laughs> uh, there are people that put batman forever into the movie uh, the christmas movie camp oh yeah yeah so hey i would watch it yearly on christmas i would watch it yearly too <laughs> so i mean you're definitely entertained when you watch it you're not bored yeah, yeah man. that's for sure i think it's the worst thing a movie can do is just be boring yeah. like yeah so anyways yeah if you want to send us a question have any recommendations for us something we can check out uh you can reach us at our email at talkingflick at gmail.com uh, for Twitter, we are actually flick underscore talking. For the whole time, I thought we were at talking flick. I'm sure you could still find us. Yeah, yeah. It's a picture of uh, They Live from John Carpenter's movie. Yes, and yes. So, but yeah, that's where you can reach us. Uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. And hopefully we'll be on next week, either with class or a big surprise. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks a lot, guys, and stay safe. All right. Take care, guys. <laughs>